The advice provided on hashtag got money is general advice only. It has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on this advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice. Having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs, we recommend you seek independent advice. Got money? Frightened of money? Have money and want more money? Listen to Elizabeth and her team of professionals dismantle the jargon of money. Whether it's cryptocurrency, your super, estate planning or the ATO. Hashtag got money will bang it home with a sledgehammer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Hashtag Got Money. This is Elizabeth Jackson. Finance, it's a big topic right now and it's our go-to at Got Money. While we've been reporting on money and the landscape of money in Australia, we haven't really dug into um, how individual practitioners are doing. Um, And as such, I've invited Scott from Money Mechanics. Scott's a financial planner. He's been on Got Money before. He's our go-to guy. Um, Scott, how are you? How's everything going with COVID? Yeah, look, I'm, personally, I'm okay. I've gone through the journey pretty well and we've been quite busy with redundancies and, and those things. And I, I, I do sort of say that in a sombre tone in that there are people going through really tough times at the moment, but being able to be their guiding light and stepping them through the consequence or the benefits or impact of their decision-making, especially in the university sector at the moment. Uh, we've had a few co- uh, clients from Qantas. Uh, it's oh, it's definitely a, a tough time at the moment in, in that space. But again, being their guiding light has made it all worthwhile and sort of being able to point them in the right direction or show them some hope there. So, yeah. so explain that a little bit because you would have arranged their insurances for them. Yeah. So, well, insurances, but also superannuation and with the redundancy process. So a lot of employers, when they're laying off staff, if they've got more than and I don't quote me on this, I'm not an employment lawyer, but 12 staff, they have to provide a, a package or a, a severance payment. So again, some of the big employers are giving people years worth of salary or a few months worth of salary, depending on the years of service. So it's really decision-making on, right, you're going to receive this lump of money. What do you do with it? How do you actually give yourself a bit of a buffer to cover your mortgage if you're still paying debt off or give yourself living expenses uh, if you're not at retirement age yet? Uh, On the flip side, there's a few people who are superannuation-wise, because of the nature of their super scheme, they've been given additional benefits under their award or under their contract. So by getting the redundancy, they're getting an extra hundred or $200,000 in their superannuation benefit as well. So is that enough? Will they be able to retire? How does all that look? Are they actually emotionally ready to retire? I've had a client who uh, has been with an organisation for many decades and has now been told, see see you later, We, we don't need you anymore. And he is at retirement age, but the actual emotional adjustment and ability to step through that has been really massive for him. Like the weight, like he's been in my office and pacing and all those sort of things. And just trying to get him to settle and, and be okay is is a massive emotional journey for him. It's not about the money. It's actually about that that other element. So yeah. God, that's, um, that's the other side of it too. It's mental health. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Are you optimistic about Australia's future? At this moment in time, especially look, Melbourne's reopened. As you know, uh, I jump between Canberra and, and Melbourne. So 
Uh, I, I got myself stuck up in Canberra. I shouldn't, shouldn't say that. I was, I was stuck in the, the capital when Melbourne was in lockdown, but uh, but I had, had relative freedoms. And uh, I've been back down in Melbourne now for about a month. And so I got sort of the back end of the, the lockdown. So uh, look, I'm, I feel like the, there's a good vibe in the air in Melbourne at the moment, being out and about. And I think look, there's businesses that have been agile and they've adjusted and they've done online things or um, oh, shout out to Atlas uh, Dining and Atlas Masterclasses, if I can do that. Thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, go um, for but, it, but they've been delivering boxes of recipes. So uh, I think Charlie's been on MasterChef and things like that. But he does his little videos and you cook along with him three nights a week. And uh, during lockdown 1.0, that was something me and my partner were getting into and really enjoying that. And it just gave us another outlet other than uh, staring at each other uh, between work meetings to, to do something um and do our uh, one hour of exercise outdoors to do something a little bit different. So it's been exciting to see those businesses do those sort of things and the, the buzzwords of COVID being agile and, and pivoting. Um, oh, pivoting. Oh, my God. <laughs> pivoting. Pivoting. And if I hear the word unprecedented again, I'll shoot myself. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about your market? So are you seeing promise in the stocks and share markets again? Yeah. Look, definitely. I think there's, there's always opportunity, as, as we've spoken before around the property market, Look, there's different sectors and different things doing well at, at any point in time. We've obviously, at this moment in time, coming off the back of the US elections with Trump, Biden, I don't know if we, we can call it yet, but the, the markets, mark, share markets like known things because they're open between 10 and 4, they're valued on a daily basis. And so day of election, we've seen our, our market responding. And so our market was open. The US market's been shut. So our market's been open and it's been going down today because um, of the uncertainty around who's going to be the president. President of the United States, but there's still going to be opportunities there. Zoom, companies like Zoom are making a truck ton of money. Security, IT companies are doing really well globally. And so healthcare, again, here in Australia and, and globally, CSL, companies like that are, are still going to do well. Infrastructure. And what uh, about those pay uh, now companies? Uh, buy now, pay and, later, after pay. Yeah, They've been yeah. doing exceptionally well too, haven't they? Yeah, look, and I mean, that, that does concern me a little bit because global financial crisis has happened and it was an event. We saw the, I know, banks of, of America basically have um, have credit issues and, and unravel in a, in a moment, but it was an event. COVID is an ongoing thing. We're starting to see the UK shut down again and Europe shut down again. So we haven't got an end point yet. And so the thing we that don't is- We do we? Exactly. And people are losing jobs, even though the government, especially here in Australia, is throwing a lot of money at it. We're going to see elements where I think there's uncertainty. And so those those buy now, pay later companies do worry me a little bit because a lot of them aren't sort of, there's no full credit assessments and things like that. It then becomes a part of people's cash flow. And so if you haven't got your cash flow sorted, that can be really, yeah, really um, challenging. They're also incredibly unregulated, aren't they? Well, do, you, do you see emerging uh, local markets? Uh, within the stock market uh, so are people tending to keep their money here in australia or are they still looking for the top 20 offshore um companies to to mm-hmm. invest their money into look i, I think um people are getting more educated around the markets especially and uh, especially with a lot of exchange traded funds so what i mean there is managed investments listed on the share market people are doing a lot more themselves and so I don't know the exact uh, number on it, but when COVID first happened, all these people started investing for the first time. So March this year, you'd remember, I think we were having a chat about it at the time on hashtag got money, mm-hmm. but the share market came down. And so people for the first time, oh, wow, this is okay. Let's let's start buying to the share market. 
I see the risk with that because having an investment framework is really important. And a part of that investment framework is buy good quality assets, but then stay the course. And when times get tough, hang on to them. The trouble when people are doing it themselves is that they don't often have someone like me in their life or, or just someone else to bounce it past to say, hey, just hang in there. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. they become emotionally connected to their own trades, don't they? Exactly right. And then they'll, they'll sell. And, and I do courses. I've done a lot of on, online courses with Laneway Learning. Um, big bit of a plug out to Laneway. To, I'm plugging everybody Yeah, today. plugging everybody. But we've been doing an investment course with there and had a few attendees come along. They're like, oh, Scott, we cashed out in, in March. When do we buy back? And I'm like, yeah, that, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? When do you buy back? And so I try and say to people, don't time the market. Like try not to be timing the market. It's about getting into the market and, and again, time in the market. Uh, as, as always. Mm. And we're like that with property too, Scott. It's, you know, I spoke to a really wealthy man um, in the Isle of Wight and I said to him, how do you make money in real estate? And he said, the only time you lose money in real estate is when you sell it. Mm. said you do not sell your hold so insurances have you seen within your own business a lot of people making inquiry to you about upping their insurances or restabilizing their insurances what's happening in that current marketplace yeah definitely and and that's probably a big one because um, there's been a lot of change there so in in the background of the royal commission last year that we uh, we all went through um, we then saw APRA come in and, and income protection claims have been going up and up over a, a number of years now. So APRA has been really concerned that the insurance industry doesn't have enough reserve to actually yet continue to do that. And again, I'm probably not the, uh, the, the best to comment on all these, these elements, but um, that's actually forced insurance companies to change the type of contracts they offer. So existing contracts are fine. If you've got an income protection policy in place, you can have an agreed value contract. So it means that they'll agree to pay a set amount to you every month. If you go on to claim, Um, they will also potentially pay you up to age 65. Some of the changes that they've uh, brought in is that they're limiting um, new contracts to be indemnity contracts. So basically they'll look at your last three years income and say, right, your income went down as you um, started to get sick or weren't able to work. So we're not going to pay you that full um, insured value that you have. We're only going to give you the 75% of your average income over the last three years. So um, there's little little, uh, nuances like that. They're also limiting the time frame of payment so again instead of paying you out to age 65 they're limiting it to five years so they'll only pay your income for five years so what do you do after that five-year time frame and so there are strategies <laughs> mm. and this is the deal this is why you need somebody like scott to help you navigate that do not try listen what do you think of those online insurance companies yeah look i mean look it, it's better than not having anything like i, I have over my last two decades working in financial services. Yes, I, I'm still uh, holding myself well. <laughs> yes, but good. I, I've had clients sitting in my office. I had a, a husband uh, probably about 10 years ago now in my office and his wife had died. This is the first time I've met him. And so if it had actually been the other way around because she thankfully had insurances built into her um, superannuation, they had two young kids. So she literally six-month-old kids and she'd passed away. Oh, and my God. I mean, you sit with that. I still get a bit sort of whirled up thinking about it, but 
if it had been the other way around, he, she would have been like stuffed. Yeah, devastated and financially yeah. ruined. Exactly. Yeah, and and there's never enough money to replace grief or to replace a partner. Like you, you're always going to grieve and go through that process, but you don't want to have to have the financial impact. And um, yeah, if you can at least go right, the finances are okay. Now I can grieve. Yeah, and th- and that's the thing, you know, the life is. And I guess we must know that after COVID. I mean, Jesus, mm. if we haven't got that as a nation, don't we need help? Life is really precious. But make sure that your family are taken care of, for goodness sake. If you haven't got any insurance, please ring Scott and Jolly will get some. Mm. You know, my dad did that. He sold insurance for a living. And um, I think I told you this, and I know I mention it probably at every show, but he was really upset one day. And I said to him, what's happened? And he said, he sold insurance to a couple that owned motorbikes. And I think he'd done it a week earlier or something. Mm. And they'd both been killed, but he'd sold them in the insurance. But he was still upset. He was upset to the loss of, for the loss of life. They'd been wiped mm. out on their motorbikes. You must have insurance for your family. If your car's insured and your house is insured, why aren't you insured? Mm. I'm talking yes. to you out there. If you've got children or a loved one or someone that you care about, please ring Scott and get insurance immediately. I'm insured. My partner's mm. really well. She's going to have a party and take a cruise. I I've say got that to my partner up. all the time. Yeah. But, but he's always going, he's like, you, you've got me well insured, haven't you? I'm like, yes, I do. Babe. Yes, yes, I do, I darling. Do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Somebody's got to have a cruise. So insurance, so people are, so they're being mindful about their insurance? Yeah, look, de- definitely. And I think people are, again, inquiring about it, but also because premiums have been going up a lot as well. So I guess the second phase of all that, because APRA has been concerned, because insurance companies are trying to readjust their, their balance sheets in that regard for claims, premiums are going up. And so people are getting their insurance renewals at the moment and going, oh, can I get a better deal? And so you can sometimes, but the the precursor is that just be really mindful especially around that income protection side of things that because of some of those changes the like for like comparison on the policy isn't going to be the same so um, it's just about again getting the strategy right at the end of the day and so yeah what are the so if you were to choose your insurance say you could only buy one what is it that you buy i would say for most people of, of working age it's income protection because okay. you want to, again, generally for most people, if you are unable to work, it will be for a short time frame. It might be for a couple of years that you're unable to, to work. If you then can't go back to work, thankfully there's NDIS, NDIA, that's like the National Disability Insurance Scheme that has been set up by, by government. And so that can be a, a, back, a backdrop to that. But that income protection and ability to continue to earn income is really important because they have limited the, the again, my, my policy at the moment has to age 65. So if anything happens to me, I keep getting paid to age 65. Because those new policies are changing, you might need to complement that with, say, a lump sum total permanent disability policy. And so I can't just pick one. Sorry. That's okay. So the... Um, a lot of people are insured through their um, super contributions. Correct. Yeah. Is that just a standard? Can you just assume that you're insured, or how do you how do you navigate that space? Yeah. So that there is a government standard around again under insurance problem. Let's have a standard to offer everybody, but you've got to check the numbers and make sure they align to you because that standard might be oh yep you're in your forties have one hundred and forty thousand worth of insurance. For life or TPD. If you've got a million dollar mortgage 
for a $800,000 mortgage, that $140,000 isn't going to go very far. Um, so do your numbers. Make sure it's your um, outcomes because, again, a lot of these rules of averages and rules of thumb, clients are always saying to me, oh, but what's the average? What is everybody else doing? Do your plan. <laughs> um, what, what does everybody else spend? Well, here's the average, but you don't want the average lifestyle. You want your lifestyle. So it's the same with insurances. Like how much does it cost to be you? How much do you need still coming in if you or your partner weren't there? Or if you don't have a partner, if you weren't able to do stuff anymore, how much money do you need coming in? And keep in mind, there is a safety net with Centrelink, but that only goes so far. I think the disability um, uh, payment from Centrelink is about $28,000 a year for a single person. So It seems like it's quite limited. Mm, exactly. Like right. I Within your business right now, when mm. people come and see you, it's, is it straight into insurance? What do you start looking at initially? We, we step back from all, so it's all about outcome base. So I often say to people, well, let's actually take all this back. So financial triage, people will, will roll into my office because they want to talk about insurance or they want to chat about their cash flow or their, oh, we've got this investment property, is it doing any good? We've got a share portfolio, we've got superannuation. But that's the financial triage. That's the thing that's gone, right, we're rocking up, we've got to get this patched up. But what I like to do is, is, address that and, and get that all wrapped up and say, right, okay, you, you feel okay and content with whatever that is. But now let's take the step back and look at the, the bigger picture because financial planning is all about having a decision-making framework around your money. You don't need someone like me for that. So Elizabeth, you can have a financial plan without having a financial planner. It is just your and your partner's decision-making framework around money. And so it's about stepping through that process and saying, right, what are your ideal life outcomes? What are you trying to achieve? What's the game plan? Why have you got the investment property? Why have you got yeah, the why insurances? Have you got the, why, why have you, why, why, why? Why? Yeah, yeah, why, yeah. Have you, why have you got the superannuation? Why is your, your superannuation invested that way? What's important to you? I've, I've had clients over the years who are like, oh, we're really into renewable energy and we want to make sure we're not um, just like investing in companies that are destroying um uh, things don't want to give bad raps to companies. Oh, okay, you did that. You just um, pulled it back. Yeah, uh, destroying things. Yeah. Things, yes. Destroying uh, amazing um, stuff. Historical yes. things. But you can actually have decisions about that. So if your super isn't aligned to those values, let's get your super aligned to those values. If that's important, like, let's actually make sure that that's, that's aligned. If you've got an investment property, is it about capital growth long term? Is it about an income play? Like, where does it fit into your overall financial decision making framework? And so. It is about, as I say, addressing the financial triage, but then looking at that that bigger picture of what is the context of this? Where does this fit in? Because there's always going to be different touch points where those decisions come up in that you might need to look at your insurances again, or you've paid the mortgages out on all your investment properties, or you're about to retire, or you've lost your job because of redundancy. It's all about then just resetting and saying, right, well, here's my framework. That framework shouldn't change too much. It's just about it making those adjustments as you need to. It's necessary because everybody has different um, risk profiles as we grow up, right, as we mm. go through. So I've got a young niece and her risk profile is 100%. She wants to risk everything. But as you get older, your risk profile kind of just dampens down a little bit. Do you help clients do that on the way through their their, their journey into retirement? Do you, or are you constantly tweaking their risk um, appetite? 
Yeah, look, definitely. And, and again, it, it depends is my big answer in, in regards to risk profiling. But the, again, it's about looking at that because when we risk profile clients, we'll say, have you ever borrowed money for investment before? Oh, yes. And then you have a conversation. Oh, no, I'm really conservative, Scott. Whereas someone else might see and hear, oh, I've borrowed money to invest and go, ooh, that's, that's high risk. And so it is all about, again, the emotional heart-based stuff around the money and just saying right well what is your what is your risk tolerance like i love how you what does did that, that mean i love how you did that your heart base tolerance well, it, i love that you did it that is. It's, it's it's from here like we financial planners we always get pulled into our, our heads because that's where financial planners traditionally are so comfortable we love to go oh yes let's talk about analytics and rah 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 rah, rah. but that's not how i'm like we don't deal at a human level money is a means to an end and, and a fuel in our vehicle. And so, and when we connect with the heart-based stuff, that's where it actually starts to give us context and that value. Because if we give you a plan, Elizabeth, that's not aligned to that, how far do you think that plan's going to go? Oh, it'll die. You, do you know what? What a, mm. what a just a beautiful statement. Because that gets lost, doesn't it? People, you're right. Mm. There, there, there is those that are so analytical that forget that what sits behind that is a human being that has mm. needs and, and wants outcomes. And usually because they're emotionally connected to these other people. Um, thank you for joining me on Got Money, mate. Amazing having you back on the show and Always back down from Canberra, joining us down here in Melbourne. We're all allowed haircuts now. Good to yeah. see you. How our listeners get hold of you? Um, so we're on Insta, Instagram and Twitter as my uh, favourite uh, social medias. So all at Money Mechanics, so all one word, Money Mechanics. And our website is www.moneymechanics.com.au. Thank you, darling. Thank you for joining us. Um, I want to thank all of the Joy volunteers that are out there working away and, and those that go into the studio to make us able to actually bring our shows to you while we're working remotely. I thank you. I acknowledge you. I appreciate what you do for us. Um, to the team that make our show possible, thank you for all of your hard work. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And we look forward to hanging out with you again next week. Have money and want more money? Listen to Elizabeth and her team of professionals dismantle the jargon of money.